Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning. Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Good morning. The scripture reading for this morning is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Good. So this charge, this is the last charge that Jesus left us, left his disciples until he returns. It's this call to gospel proclamation and gospel growth, and it was the catalyst for these missionary journeys that we're going to talk about in the book of Acts starting next week. And so as the church, it's important for us to talk about and think through these things as the people of God, to think deeply about what Jesus has called us to, because if we as a church are going to be obedient to Christ as his disciples in our generation, if we're going to love what he loves and value what he values, we must take this call seriously in our lives and in the life of this church. We have to ask, what does Jesus' call mean for me? What does it mean for my family? What does it mean for this community? And I know on some level we all do this. If you're a Christian, I am certain that at some point in your life you've asked the question, what is God's will for my life, right? It's a great question to ask. What is God's will for my life? And, and since you're asking... I think that the last thing Jesus said, the last command that he gave us before ascending into heaven is a pretty good place to start. And that command was make disciples. As we talked about last week, the gospel of Jesus is the power and the motivation to fulfill this call. But what about the method? What insight does Jesus give us into this, in this text, into how we go about making disciples? In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So we know what Jesus' purpose was. He came to seek and to save the lost. And just to state the obvious... Jesus didn't say that he came to heal all the sick people. He didn't say he came to end all earthly oppression. Nor did he say he came to make Christians the new political superpower here on earth. That's not what he said. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. This is why Jesus came. 
And this was the commission that he gave to us. He's talking about calling people out of the futility of seeking from this world what only God can provide. Out of the bondage of sin and the fear of death. And inviting them into this gospel-driven reality of following him. But we have to ask, how? How do we do this? Let's start by looking at verses 19 and 20 of our text one more time. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And what, what I want to point out first in these verses is, is that while it appears as though Jesus is giving multiple commands in this text, right? He says, go, make, baptize, teach. When you look at the text in the original Greek, there is actually only one command in those verses. There's only one imperative verb in the sentence. And that verb is this Greek word, mathetuo. Don't need to write it down. You'll probably never use it. But that verb means to make disciples or to make a disciple. These other three words that look like imperative verbs are actually participles. The words translated as go, baptize, teach are really going, baptizing, and teaching. And this is important because it changes the emphasis of Jesus' words here. The literal translation reads, going therefore, or as you are going, make disciples, baptizing and teaching. So these three participles are not the primary action. They're not the command, but rather they are describing how we go about the act of making disciples. They all serve the active verb in the sentence, which is to make disciples. So the central call and command of Jesus is to make disciples. And the way that we go about this is by going and baptizing and teaching they're not three disconnected actions, but the necessary flow of how a disciple is made. By going and sharing the gospel. By baptizing, which is this visible sign of entry into the family of God. And by teaching them. Teaching them what Jesus has commanded. This is that lifelong process of sanctification as we continually turn from sin and trust in Christ. So I want to briefly look at these three elements of making disciples. And honestly, I find this reading to be so relieving compared to how I heard this text preached growing up. Because in the church culture I grew up in, it seemed like there was always this big emphasis on the word go, right? Go, right now. As if the pinnacle of faithfulness to Jesus was uprooting your life or your family and traveling to some distant land to be on mission for Jesus. That was true faithfulness. But when you read the text properly, the command is not to go. It's to make. 
It's to make disciples. And this reading moves the call of Jesus from the big and fantastic to the arguably harder, slower, more mundane context of everyday life. The literal rendering of these verses is not driven by our going, but rather as you are going, wherever you're going, as you go, make disciples. And when we read the text in this light, it's incredibly freeing, and at the same time, it is all-consuming. Because when we read the word go as the central command, we ask, well, where should I go so that I can start making disciples? How far should I go? How long should I go? We have this tendency to overcomplicate the call with dreams of missionary grandeur, which typically never fabricate into anything other than dreams. Or we go the opposite way. It scares us so much that we just ignore the command altogether. But Jesus wasn't saying, in order to make disciples, you need to go to some distant land. He was saying, make disciples everywhere you go. In your going, to the grocery store, to work, to Starbucks, to the golf course. Wherever you go is an opportunity to make disciples. And I know some of you are reading the text, you're like, wait a minute, Pastor. Jesus didn't just say, make disciples. He said, make disciples of all nations. And you're right. I'm, I'm glad you're reading the text. He said, make disciples of all nations. But all nations is far less about these geopolitical boundaries. It's less about specific places and more about cultures. Quite literally, ethnicities. Jesus was driving home the point that salvation is not just for the Jews, but for every people group every tribe and every tongue and every nation. The mission of the church and the primary imperative of this text is to make disciples of all people. And we are to fulfill this mission everywhere that we go. The emphasis is not on where we go, but reaching all people in our going. And if you hadn't noticed, we live in one of the largest and most culturally diverse cities on the planet, right? We have the opportunity to reach a wide majority of the people groups on earth without ever leaving this city. And I say all that not to minimize international missions. We need people to go. We need boots on the ground in other countries spreading the gospel and training pastors and making disciples. But the heart of Jesus' call isn't about places on a map. It's about people. And we all have the opportunity to impact the nations for the gospel without ever leaving this city. Just look around next time you walk into HEB, right? There is nothing stopping you from reaching the nations as a stay-at-home mom or a school teacher or a business person. This is what we see throughout the book of Acts. That's why these apostles and disciples focused on, on major port cities, on centers of commerce, because the gospel was being, being heard and then being carried throughout the world through these cities back to their homeland. 
And I know we have a number of folks in this room who have and who will who have and will done, have and will, who have done and will do, there we go, foreign missions. And there's a lot of people probably who decide, desire to do that one day. And that's awesome. That is such a great thing. We need more people to go. But if you are not making disciples here in your everyday life, in your own culture, you have no business going to another country, right? If you ain't spreading it here, you're not going to do it there. The call, the call is to share the good news of Jesus everywhere we are going. To not get bogged down in the weird, but, but to have a heart for the lost and a willingness to share the gospel wherever God has us at this moment in life. Because the reality is that for most of us in this room, going is not going to be an epic journey to a foreign land. But the call of Jesus is the same whether you are a stay-at-home mom in Kingwood or a missionary in Kenya. As you go to Kroger... As you go to the Y, as you go to the office, in all you're going, the call on your life is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to make disciples because your life is the mission field. That is your mission field. God has you exactly where he wants you at this moment. That doesn't mean that he won't call you somewhere else at some point. But the question for all of us now is, in your going, are you proclaiming? At your work, with your friends, at the park, with your family? Are you proclaiming? Are you seeking opportunities to tell people about Jesus? Or are you just going through the motions of life waiting for that big opportunity? that may never come. Because where you are in life right now is not by chance. It is by design. Our sovereign creator God has put you there. And you're there for a purpose. Your current job may seem futile. You may be frustrated with your place in life. But Christ has a very specific purpose for where you are right now. You have been put in that job or that situation or that friendship to proclaim salvation through Jesus Christ. It's what we call evangelism, right? And I've tried not to use that word too much the last two weeks because I know it freaks some people out. But it is what we have been called to. And my prayer is that God would give us his passion for the lost and that this passion would compel us to step outside of what's comfortable and to engage people with the message of Jesus. To tell people about the hope that we have in him. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing, in whatever situation God has us at this point in our lives, we are ambassadors of Christ. We have been sent out with the message of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
And when Christ's heart becomes our heart, when we live our lives with a passion for the lost and proclaim salvation, lives will be transformed through the Holy Spirit. And when this happens, when the Holy Spirit moves in the heart of an unbeliever, when they repent of their sin and they trust in Jesus for salvation, the call of Jesus is, be baptized, right? This is the second part of making disciples that Jesus mentions. He says, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So baptism flows from going and proclaiming. When the Spirit awakens someone's heart through hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and they confess and believe in him, a disciple is born. And baptism is both the celebration and the proclamation of this new life. It is the declaration before God and before the community that they have been buried with Christ in his death and raised with him to newness of life. Baptism is the mark of entrance into the body of Christ, into this family of God. And the community stands as witness to this proclamation of faith. And as a community, we covenant with them and with God to pray for them and love them and support and encourage them as a brother or sister in Christ. And once we baptize them, a lot of people would say, hey, we went, we proclaimed, we made a disciple. We're done, right? Check that box. But that's not where Jesus seems to stop. Baptism is not the end of discipleship. It's the beginning. It's the start. Contrary probably to many of our church experiences, discipleship means more than getting conversions and baptisms. Those are popular because you can measure them. They're things you can put on a spreadsheet and count, but they are not the totality of disciple-making. Conversion and baptism are obviously essential, but being a disciple is a lifelong journey. Jesus says in verse 20, the last aspect of making disciples is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. That's no small thing. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded. And to miss this aspect of discipleship would be crazy. It would be like a master electrician bringing on an apprentice and telling the kid that before you take, before I will take you on as my apprentice, you have to commit to follow me and listen to me and watch everything I do because your life literally depends on it. And the kid's like, yes, I will follow, I will listen, I will watch. And then once the kid commits to listen and learn from the master electrician, he shows up the next day and the master electrician drops him off at a house and says, now go wire the house by yourself. Be careful though, the power's on. The kid's committed. He wants to grow and learn and excel at this new life, but the reality is he doesn't know the first thing about being an electrician. He doesn't know the dangers. 
He doesn't know what's expected. He doesn't know the necessary information to live the life that he's just committed to. Chances are he's going to kill himself and burn the house down, right? He may have made a commitment to the electrician way of life, but it is a life that must be learned over time as his skills are shaped and grown. This would be an epic discipleship fail, right? That's not good. And the Christian life is no different. We come in as novices, as apprentices. We've trusted in Jesus with our life, but we need help to navigate what it looks like to be a believer in this crazy world. Because it's crazy. We need faithful people to walk alongside us, to struggle with us, to teach and encourage and admonish at times. And the beauty is that discipleship isn't just for new believers. We're all disciples. We're disciples of Jesus. And we're all called to make disciples. No one's exempt from that call. We are all called to be teachers and learners. We're called to invest in the lives of others and to allow them to invest and speak into our lives. So being a student of Jesus is not just for new believers. The gospel of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus is not Christianity 101. And like some of us have graduated, that's not how this works. They are the words of life. They are the wisdom of God no matter how long you've been a believer. As long as we are on this earth, we will struggle to live in obedience to Jesus. And every one of us who profess Jesus as Lord are somewhere on this spectrum of discipleship. We are always learning, hopefully always growing, always seeking to be obedient to Christ. But we've also been called to go and to proclaim and to teach we are disciples making disciples. That's what Jesus has called us to. And so the final thing that I'll say is that Jesus' command here to make disciples is not an individualistic call. You are not the Lone Ranger for Jesus. You're just not. When Jesus says to make disciple, disciples, he's talking to a community of believers. He's talking to his church. It's a communal call to strive together in the work of proclamation and growth. Proclaiming the gospel and growing in the gospel. So if you're not confident in sharing your faith, you're in good company. Right? Plenty of people are right there with you. But you can get with someone who is. Be strategic about how you approach your unbelieving friends. It's okay to be sneaky for Jesus. That's allowed. If you're inviting an unbelieving friend over to your house to watch basketball, they don't need to know that everyone else in the room is a believer. And they've all been praying for you for six months. It's called Jesus Jiu-Jitsu. I do it all the time. I may have done it to some of you. You'll never know. 
Whenever I meet an unbeliever who I want to share the gospel with, one of the first things I try and figure out is how do I connect them with guys from Christchurch? I think about who would be a good fit for their particular personality or the things that they enjoy, because it's not always me. Like maybe it's grilling out or coffee or hunting or cross-stitching. I don't know. There's no judgment. Maybe a little, but... My goal is to get as many believers engaged with them and praying for them as possible. It is a communal effort. And if you know a new believer who isn't connected with a community and you're not confident in discipling them, find someone who is. We've been blessed here at Christ Church with so many godly men and women who are gifted in that way. And when you meet together with them to study God's word, you will grow in your own faith as well and your confidence in being able to teach. I mean, that's why the women just ramped up their discipleship groups. There's nothing magical about what they did. They just put some women's names on a piece of paper and then you show up and you talk about the word of God and you encourage one another in the gospel. And that's really powerful. And so, if we flash back to our mission and vision series a few weeks ago, what we're really doing in discipleship is simply inviting people in to gospel-centered community. We're saying, come and enjoy what we have experienced as the people of God. This is the context for discipleship. We are inviting people in to learn and to grow with us. We're not just the teacher. We are all learning and growing together. And that is the cycle of discipleship that Jesus is calling us into. And my prayer this morning is that every one of us will hear this call of Jesus on our lives. And that we would take it seriously. And if we're insecure or need help, that we would seek that out. Because I can assure you this is hard for everybody. It's hard. It's uncomfortable at times. It's not always received well. I get that. But together we can foster a culture of discipleship where encouragement and support are prevalent. We can work together to live out this call in our lives. And my prayer is that evangelism and discipleship wouldn't just get discussed when it's preached about, but that we would regularly have this as part of our conversation. When we gather together as friends, talk about it. Pray for the people that God has put on your hearts and be sneaky, right? Sneaky for Jesus. Think of ways to get them engaged with other believers. Pray for one another. Struggle together to bring the gospel to this community and to the nations. This call to be a disciple-making people is a big call. But we do not go it alone. And we don't go without power. Right? Do you remember how this text starts and ends? Jesus says, all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
So we press on in the presence and with the power of Jesus, knowing that at every moment of our lives, from the darkest times to the most glorious, Jesus is with us always, and he will be with us until the end. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for rescuing us and redeeming us. For calling us out of darkness and into your glorious light. For proclaiming that we are sons and daughters of the living God. God, make us a people who are so confident and overwhelmed by these truths that we cannot remain silent. That we must tell people about the greatness of our God. And for those of us who lack confidence in our teaching or our discipling or feel like we don't know enough, God, we ask that you would grant that confidence, that you would grant them humility to ask, to ask for help, to seek out brothers and sisters to walk alongside so that you might get the glory as we seek together to walk in obedience to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamlin Road in Kingwood, Texas. To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org.